Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Browns Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Keatley. With me, as always, Adam Moore. And today, we have a special guest coming to us from 11 Warriors, the Ohio State expert, Dan Hope. How you doing, Dan? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, man. We're excited to have you on. Are, are you doing okay? You healthy? Everybody all right in the your household hiding from the coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just trying to, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, you know, practice social distancing, you know, do what we're supposed to do. So uh, holding up all right so far. See, Josh doesn't have to worry about the whole social distancing thing. People usually try to stay away from him, you know, anyway, so he's good. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, uh, yeah, man, I guess we'll dive right in. Now that we're on the coronavirus topic, I guess I'll dive right in and ask, uh, you know, your your job is to cover Ohio State football, typically. Typically, you'd be there at spring practices. Uh, what, so what, what are the rumors you're hearing? I mean, what, are they going to make up for the spring practices in another way? Are they just going to skip it, go straight to fall? What negative impact is this going to have? Yeah, so the reality is right now there's just so much unknown with this. that Spring practices are on hold right now. It, it's very unlikely that they will be able to resume at this point. But the reality is there's just so much uncertainty at this point with how long this is going to last and when team activities are going to be able to resume. So I I know there is, you know, some talks going on with coaches hoping that if they're able to get back on campus in early summer, that maybe they could do something along the lines of an OTA like they do in the NFL and, and be able to recoup some of those practices that they lost in the spring. But the reality right now is, we just don't know how long this is going to last. So they kind of have to be prepared for anything at this point. Obviously the hope is that, you know, they'll at least be able to get back on campus in time for fall camp and to be able to go through a full fall camp. But at this point, it's it's just too early to say. Now, so I'm sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, I was going to ask Dan, uh, you know, obviously, most teams are, are equally impacted by this coronavirus not being able to hold spring ball. I saw there are like a handful of teams that all, have already held their spring practice, or at least had held some spring practices. I mean, how? I mean, do you? Th- how do you think this will this will kind of translate to the on-field product that we'll see come August, September? And and are there any of those like early enrollee freshmen that are really going to be impacted by this? Yeah, I mean, like you said, most. Schools are in the same boat here. There are a few that had more spring practices, but I think those were mostly smaller schools, not, you know, power programs. So I don't think it's really going to affect any one school more adversely than any other. But certainly just in terms of Ohio State, you mentioned the early enrollees. They had 14 early enrollees. So 
you looked at going into the spring, you know, that was a really big advantage for Ohio State to have so many of their freshmen already on campus and able to go through those practices early. But now they lose that advantage. So I think everybody's going to have to adjust to this. I think really you look ahead to the season that we hope will take place this fall. It's going to come down to who's doing the best job of adapting to this and, and working through this. And for Ohio State players, a lot of the accountability falls directly on their shoulders to, to do what they need to do, or at least what they're able to do under these adverse circumstances, keep themselves in shape and be ready when they do get back to campus. Because there is the possibility that they could come back and have to go right into fall camp. And if I haven't been taking care of their bodies this time that they're away from campus, that could really put them behind the eight ball. And that that makes sense. I he, I guess now tell me if I'm being biased, right? Because you know we both went to Ohio. I might be a little bit more biased. Hey, you. I went to Ohio State too, dude. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. We all three went to Ohio State. <laughs> so let me know if I'm being biased. But now, see, this will be Justin Fields' second year in the offense, right? A lot, a lot of the major pieces are back. Uh, Chris Olave. They do they do miss J K Dobbins isn't going to be there. Um, so there are a couple pieces, but I think that the quarterback position is probably the most pivotal from the spring practices, learning the playbook, and getting all those things in. Now, the big the big game this year, September 12th, is against Oregon. And Oregon is a two-and-a-half-point underdog to Ohio State. Oregon is actually dealing with a lot of people who have less, left, uh, including their quarterback, Justin Herbert. So do, is, do you think it's a reasonable thought process to think that – Ohio State is going to have an easier time with this adjustment than Oregon? Well, I think certainly it's a huge advantage when you're in this situation to have a returning starting quarterback. I think if you look at last year, if they had been in this position last year when Justin Fields had just arrived on campus in January, I think you'd be really concerned about it. So I think that is a big advantage. I, I think to me where I look at is probably the biggest concern for Ohio State right now is on the defensive side of the ball because they're replacing a lot of starters on that side of the ball. They also have a new defensive coordinator in Kerry Combs. They're not expected to make huge changes to their defensive scheme, but I think this spring was really a crucial time to, to work in some of those new starters and really you know get that scheme locked down. So I, I think if you look ahead to – you know, the summer and getting back on campus, just losing those months, I, I think that's going to force them to really have to make up for lost time in, in that regard. You know, in, in terms of the Oregon game, I think Ohio State's probably going to have the advantage over Oregon regardless. I think Oregon's a little bit, probably a little bit more well-positioned on the defensive side of the ball because I think they've got more returning guys there. But you are correct on the offensive side of the ball, you know, losing a guy who's been a long-time starter in Justin Herbert, having to replace a lot of pieces there. I think that this could certainly set them back in terms of their offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point that you mentioned about the defense side of the ball. You know, we, we all, obviously everybody knows uh, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, you know, all those guys. There's, you know, High State's looking at possibly double-digit players getting drafted in the NFL. You know, who are the who are these uh, these up-and-comers, these next guys that are going to become household names for the Buckeyes? Well, I think, you know, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, you look at a guy like Zach Harrison, who's a true sophomore defensive end. He was a five-star recruit. If you're looking for a guy who could be that next Chase Young, that next 
Nick Bosa. I think Zach Harrison is the guy who has that kind of potential. Uh, you know, look, looking also at Tyreek Smith, another guy at that defensive end spot who he was kind of flashed. He's had some injuries, hasn't quite lived up to expectations yet, but I think he's a guy that, you know, now, you know, out, out, of, out of Chase Young's shadow, if he can stay healthy, he's got some potential. You know, in the secondary, a guy like Josh Proctor at safety is a guy who looks like he's got uh, some real playmaking ability at that position. So, you know, as always, there's a lot of talent at Ohio State, but there's, there's still a lot of question marks. There's still a lot of guys, I think, especially on that defensive side of the ball, who, you know, we need to see it. They need to prove it. And I think when you lose, you know, potentially 12 spring practices here, you know, that that is valuable time that you're losing in this process. Absolutely. And one of the players that I think one of the recent new one of the recent things that broke out uh, is in regard to the transfer running back from Oklahoma and Trey Sermon. Uh, what do you know about him? I mean, is that I know that theoretically a lot of people had him when they thought that he was going to declare early. They had him mix him right there in the fourth round, fifth round range. Uh, how do you feel about him? Yeah, I think he has a chance to really help Ohio State this year. I think, you know, looking at what he did at Oklahoma, rushed for over 2,000 yards while really rotating there over the last three years. And, you know, I was watching some of his film this week, and, you know, I think he's got a really good skill set. You know, he's a, he's a bigger back. Uh, you know, he, he's got some power. He, he, he has really good balance running through contact. is the thing that probably stands out to me the most. But, but he's got some wiggle in the open field, too. You know, he's not an elite speed kind of guy, but – uh, I think he's got a pretty good skill set. So, you know, I think I think really this could be a perfect match for both sides and that Ohio State needed a veteran running back, did not have a clear starter. I think he can come in, he most likely gets to be the starter, and he can have a big year in that offense. That could really vault him forward and give him a chance to be a much higher draft pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so – Trey Sermon, we talked about him being a big back. I think he's 5'11", 220 pounds. Like I said, a lot of people thought he was going to go to the NFL draft. They had him right there in the third, fourth, third round. Uh, you just highlighted the fact that you you know he's kind of a, a see-hole, hit-hole kind of guy. Uh, how do you feel about him as a receiving back? Because I, I kind of thought he might be lacking in that department. Um, you know, Dobbins wasn't exactly – Marshall Falk out of the backfield, but he, he did have some skill. Uh, I would put him in the upper echelon of receiving backs. Uh, so how do you feel like he stands in that department? You know, I think he's pretty solid in that area. He had 36 catches in his career at Oklahoma, and just watching his film, uh, he looks like he has pretty good hands. I believe he only had one drop in his three years at Oklahoma. So uh, I think that's definitely an area in which he can contribute. You know, I don't know that he's going to be an, an elite receiving back by any means, but you know, I think that's an area that, you know, as, as they need to use him, uh, he'll, he'll he'll be capable. And I, and I think, you know, even more importantly, he's a guy that's got experience blocking as well, and he's played alongside dual-threat quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, like Jalen Hurts, which I think is important when you're coming into an offense like Ohio State's because you're playing alongside a quarterback like Justin Fields. Not only are you going to have to be able to pass block, but you've got to be able to run block too. So, uh, he's got some experience at that, looks pretty adept at doing that. So I think that's going to help in terms of his transition into Ohio State's offense. Yeah, so I think it's certainly a huge addition uh, when, when you talk about what Sermon's going to be able to bring to the offense. I, I I have my own opinions on Master Teague. I think he's a good back, but I think he's a one-cut back. I don't think he has the elusiveness that Dobbins had. So I, I was concerned about him being able to replace the uh, production that Dobbins would, was able to put on the field. So I think this certainly helps in that aspect. 
Yeah, I agree with that about Master Teague. I think I think they're different style backs. I think I think Teague is a guy. He's big. He's explosive. Uh, but he but he is very much a straight line runner. I I don't I think there are some limitations to his game. I I think Sermon's got a more well rounded skill set uh, in terms of being able to do some of the same things that J.K. Dobbins did. Don't think he's necessarily the same kind of back, but I, I think you know he might be more of a natural fit for the scheme that they've run. And I think you know Master Teague obviously coming off an injury, we don't know exactly what his status is going to be for the fall, but I think. If he's healthy, you know, I think those two can complement each other well and can be a good one-two punch. Yeah, that's a good so, point. I think I think Sermon's going to be he's going to be able to kind of be that stopgap uh, for for Dobbins and allow some of these. Uh, we got some younger, obviously, uh, really talented running backs that are still still young and and you know probably just need a little bit of time to get acclimated and get used to playing at the college level before they'll be able to contribute at a at a large scale. So I think I think it's a huge addition uh, for this offense. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, just look at the. Just looking at their recruiting efforts, too, you know, they've got already one really highly touted running back lined up for 2021 in Evan Pryor. And, you know, they seem to be very much in the lead for Travion Henderson, who's a five-star running back for that class. So, you know, I think the future of the running back room is bright, but because of some of their misses on the recruiting trail last year, they really did need somebody who could come in and bridge that gap for one year. Yeah, you mentioned the recruits that we got coming in in 21, and 21 certainly is shaping up to be a historic recruiting class for Ohio State. Do you think we're on the verge of kind of taking that next step? We're certainly, we've been knocking on the door for a few years now, but getting into the echelon and the the teams like Alabama and Clemson kind of becoming a dynasty, I mean, certainly we, uh, with with Ryan Day and Kerry Combs and and Brian Hartline and Tony Alford, we seem to be getting some some excellent and some some, you know, really top-tier recruits. Uh, into our program. Well, that's the expectation. The expectation is at, o- at Ohio State is to compete for national championships. So I think, especially when you're looking at recruiting, I think that's what you got to compare Ohio State to. You- you're not comparing Ohio State to Michigan and Penn State anymore because Ohio State is clearly a step above those teams right now. You got to compare them to Clemson, to Alabama, to LSU, to Georgia. That those are the teams that they need to be recruiting at or better than in order to win national championships. So I think they're putting in the groundwork right now on the recruiting trail to give themselves a chance to do that. But, you know, when you look at what Clemson's done, you, you look at the consistency that Alabama's had, there's still work that needs to be done. There, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't think all of a sudden the balance of power is going to shift and Ohio State is going to win, you know, four straight national titles or anything like that. But I think they're putting in the right steps to put themselves in that position where they're going to have a chance to compete for and ideally win national titles. Dan, how are they doing it? With the, I mean, every time I open up my phone, they get another verbal or another uh, another recruits, you know, uh, scheduling a visit. How are they doing it in these times where they can't go out and make these visits? Is everything just happening over the phone? It just feels like it's moving at a fast pace and no one can leave their house. I don't know how that's happening. Well, Ryan Day had a teleconference with some reporters on Wednesday, and he was asked about that. And what he said is he really thinks it's a credit to what they've done uh, already building relationships with these guys. And, you know, some some of these guys that committed, you know, they they were already on campus for visits in the fall. And, you know, they're guys that Ohio State has really been building relationships with for a while. So it was certainly impressive and probably even a little surprising to see, 
you know, them land four commitments in three days, especially at a time like this. But I, I think it's a sign of just the momentum they were already building that, you know, these guys who have committed, you know, these are guys that have been thinking about Ohio State for a while. And, you know, I think, you know, the one thing that this does, it, it, it's obviously a detriment in that you can't bring in visitors. You can't travel right now. But the one thing it does is they're not able to out there on the coach field. They're out there able to coach on the field. So that does give the coaches more time on the phone to recruit. So I think, you know, if, if you're an Ohio State coach, you're sitting around your house, you don't want to just sit there. You, you, you want to be doing something. So I think these guys are just putting even more time than they already would be into these recruiting efforts to try to keep this momentum going. Yeah, and let's uh, that it's just I find it crazy. I mean, you know, I know that Ryan Day's trying to get himself established, and he has some big shoes to fill with Urban Meyer. I don't want to say that he's done a better job recruiting because that obviously that's a pretty large statement. But man, it just feels like it just it's coming hard and fast, and it definitely seems like Brian Hartline has really, really played a role in making the you know upping the level of competition and what they brought in recruiting wise. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire staff is doing a really good job right now, and I think Ryan Day has done a really good job between the coaches he's held over from Urban Meyer's staff and the guys that he's brought in himself of, of building a staff of guys who are really good recruiters and who work really well together in, in terms of you know going out on the trail and recruiting guys. So I think you know certainly this staff is doing an excellent job. You know, like like you said, I think it's too early to be you know comparing how you know Ryan Day is as a recruiter compared to Urban Meyer because Urban, Urban Meyer did a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail. He's, he's probably one of the best recruiters we've ever seen in college football. But I think, you know, Ryan Day, you know, his goal is to take that to another level, you know, because, you know, like we talked about a few minutes ago, you know, the goal is to beat Clemson, to beat Alabama. And the reality is if you're not recruiting at an elite level year in and year out, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So I think, you know, Ohio State is doing what it needs to do right now, especially with that 2021 class, and now you just got to keep building on it. Well, and I'm sure that it helps that every year they have 10 guys drafted in the first round. And it looks like this is going to be another year. Adam kind of talked about that earlier with Chase Young, Akuda, J.K. Dobbins is right up there in the mix. And I'm sure the coaching staff is also touting the fact that Joe Burrow was once in Columbus. Uh, but I guess that, that brings up my next my next issue, I want to shift more towards the NFL. As, as you know, this is a Browns podcast. You're very familiar with the guys that have left. You know, guys like the people I just named, some of those middle-round guys, the wide receivers, Benjamin Victor, Austin Mack. Uh, who do you see as a fit for the Cleveland Browns in this upcoming draft? Well, I think, you know, probably the guy that would stand out to me the most would be Malik Harrison because obviously the Browns have a need at linebacker after losing Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey. So I think Harrison's a guy, you look at that middle round range, you know, third round maybe, uh, he's a guy with some versatility at those linebacker positions where he could really play outside and inside. And so he's a guy I'd look at, you know, if he's there at their third round pick, maybe that's a guy you could bring in who could compete for a starting job and I think has the chance to be a really productive NFL player. And then, you know, a few other guys, I think Devon Hamilton would be another guy in that middle round range. Browns could use some depth at defensive tackle. I think he's a guy who could come in, rotate at that nose tackle spot, potentially be a future starter down the line if you lose uh, Richardson or Ogunjobi. And then, you know, late rounds, a guy like Brandon Bowens may be a guy, you know, in those late rounds, if you're looking for a guy to take a flyer on, 
Browns obviously uh, need some reinforcements on the offensive line. He's a guy who played tackle last year, has also played guard, has some versatility. You know, he could be a guy there in the late rounds or maybe even as an undrafted pickup who could potentially come in and be a backup on your offensive line. Yeah, and I love the fact you brought up Malik Harrison. Malik Harrison is a guy that I circled. Like you said, I feel like he can play inside and outside uh, you know, at a pretty high level. Uh, I had him listed as more of an inside linebacker in the Browns scheme, assuming you know they stick with the 4-3. I think he checks every box that you're looking for and someone that would fit that second-round range. But I don't know if he's uh, – I feel like there's laps in his film, like maybe – despite him checking a lot of those physical boxes, there are times where he just doesn't quite put it all together or he gets lost more or less. Would you think that that's an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think to me, I think he was a little bit overshadowed in his Ohio State career because he was playing with Chase Young. He was playing with Jeff Okuda. There were so many stars on that defense, but I thought, like, sometimes he was a little bit overlooked. But, you know, I thought overall, I thought he had a really good Ohio State career. You know, I think, you know, especially the last two years, I think he was for sure their best linebacker. And, you know, I thought he improved this past year. You know, the linebacker play had been a weakness for the Buckeyes for a few years, uh, especially when Bill Davis was there as linebacker coach. I think this past year under Al Washington and Greg Madison, they took some steps forward, and I thought Malik did as well. But, you know, I think the third round, is that's probably about where I have him tabbed. You know, maybe maybe moves into that late second round range, but I, I think that's probably the sweet spot for him in terms of his draft stock. I would agree with that. Uh, another guy I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring up is Jonah Jackson. Uh, we talked about him briefly when we met up uh, last month, but I have him rated as a third-round guard, uh, 6'3", 306. But he's a very, his issue, the reason I think he falls to a third round, despite being a plug-and-play guard, and I really truly do believe he's a plug-and-play guard. He plays very well in space. He's has a very thin lower body, as I'm sure you noticed as well. Uh, but how do, you, I mean, what do you think his, how do you view his NFL future? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you there. I think I think third round is about where I'd see him going, somewhere in those middle rounds. I thought he had a fantastic year for Ohio State after transferring in from Rutgers. So, you know, I absolutely think he can be a starting guard in the NFL. Like you said, I think a guy who can come in and is going to have a chance to compete for a starting job quickly. You know, he's not he's not the most you know physically imposing guy. He's, he's not a guy that you're going to point out any particularly spectacular physical trait, which is why we're not talking about him as a first-round pick. But I think in those middle rounds, I think he's a guy that somebody's going to draft and is probably going to get a really solid player. Dan, you mentioned a few of these Buckeyes who were, who were expecting to go or expecting to see get drafted in the middle rounds. Who, who's one guy, and maybe we've already talked about him, but who's one guy to you that has a, has the potential to kind of break out, kind of like what we saw with Terry McLaurin last year? With the Redskins, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you know Jonah Jackson, and Devon Hamilton are a couple guys who could fit that criteria. But you know, I think KJ Hill as well is another guy who I think I, I don't I don't necessarily see him being a star at the NFL level, but I can just see him being a guy who gets in a receiver room and is just really really solid for ten years. Because you look at his Ohio State career he's the all-time leading receiver in receptions in Ohio State history. And there's been some really good receivers to come through Ohio State. A really reliable guy, great route runner, uh, great hands. You know, he's a guy, he himself said the guy that he looks up to is Jarvis Landry. And I think that's kind of, you know, that's the 
that's the ceiling for him. That's the goal for him. I'm not going to say he's going to be Jarvis Landry because Jarvis Landry is a fantastic football yeah, player. But that's I think, a pretty high ceiling. <laughs> think, yeah, but I think that's the mold for him. Is I think he's a guy, he's probably not going to get picked until day three because he runs a 4-6-40 and he's not the biggest guy. But I think he's a guy that you look at all the things he does well, he's going to end up sticking around and being a productive NFL receiver because of all of those traits that are really good about him and made him so productive as a Buckeye. Yeah, that's interesting. You talk about KJ Hill. We actually had someone text us a question about the receivers. As you know, there's three receivers eligible for the NFL draft from Ohio State. KJ Hill, Benjamin Victor, and Austin Mack. Austin Mack was invited to the Senior Bowl along with KJ Hill. So there's a lot of perception out there that Austin Mack's stock is higher. Uh, I disagree with that. I think that Victor's he, he's he's taller. I know he's much thinner than Austin Mack, but he's taller. Uh, he's not just a red zone threat. He's very good at catching the underneath ball, and he had a hell of a week at the Shrine uh, the shrine game. Wh- where do you feel? How would you rank those three players? I think we all agree that K.J. Hill is probably number one, though. Yeah, I, w- I would rank K.J. Hill number one. I think K.J. is the only one of those guys who I would say is a sure bet to be drafted. I would rank Ben Victor ahead of Austin Mack in terms of NFL potential because – you know, we, we saw the flashes from Ben Victor. You know, we saw, you know, he's a guy who can make, you know, spectacular plays. You know, he's, he's very tall, has a, has a huge wingspan. You know, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, on the outside in the red zone, you know, he can win some of those one-on-one balls. He, could, he can, you know, make some of those big plays. The big question mark with him is we just never really saw it on a consistent basis at, at Ohio State. And so I, I, I don't know, you know, going to the NFL, is, is, is that suddenly going to happen for him? I don't know because we, we, we felt like we were going to see it for three years at Ohio State, and it just kind of never really came together. But I, I do think the potential there is higher. I think Austin Mack, you know, to me, he's a guy that if he's going to make it in the NFL – he's going to have to be really good on special teams and really good as a blocker. Because I think, you know, while he made some, while he made some big catches at Ohio State, I, I don't think there's any real standout trait there as a wide receiver. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. I don't think there's really any one thing he does as a receiver that really stands out. But he did play a lot of special teams at Ohio State. You know, is a really good blocker, uh, is a guy that has the right intangibles. You know, maybe he sticks around because of those things but you know to me i think his ceiling is limited as an nfl receiver so we, we talked about i think we're on the same page with Austin mack and benjamin victor i think i gave victor a six or seventh round grade which you know is right there dangling on the edge of not being drafted Austin mack I, i'm kind of with you i think he he's probably going to be more of a uh He's probably going to be have a better career in the CFL, much in the the much like Devere Posey when Devere Posey went up there and won the Grey Cup with the Toronto Argonauts. That's kind of high vision, Austin Mack. I feel like you feel the same way. Uh, but that's a guy we talked about these testing numbers that I think was hurt as far as the coronavirus goes because you have a couple. Ohio State has a couple guys that maybe sat the bench, or maybe didn't get the touches, but could have really tested really well. So I guess that's my next question: is how do you think? The, how do you think the impact was on missing out on their pro day for a guy like Rashad Berry? I know that Rashad Berry was notorious for being one of the freakish athletes on the team, but he didn't really get the ball much. Uh, he didn't really have a position. I think even halfway through the year, he was playing defensive end. Uh, I know he had a very good week at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, uh, but how, how do you think this is going to affect his stock? Yeah, I think for all of those guys who weren't invited to the combine, Rashad Berry, Robert Landers, Brandon Bowen, 
you know, Jason Cornell, all those guys who are hoping to make it, I think this really does hurt them because not just for the fact that they don't get to test, which, you know, I agree with you, a guy like Rashad Berry, he, I think he would have had a chance to test really well because I think he uh, does have a lot of great physical tools. But it's also just the fact that these guys can't go on team visits right now. They can't go in to team facilities and have physicals done right now. So NFL teams just aren't going to be able to collect their usual amount of data on these guys who didn't go to the combine. And so I think that's going to make NFL teams a little less inclined to take chances on guys who weren't invited to the combine because, because they're not going to have those full medical records. They're not going to have the chance to meet with these guys in person. So I think, you know, all of those guys are, are hurt by that in terms of, you know, now it's really all about their tape. And, and, and for some guys, you know, if, if scouts are putting more of an emphasis on tape, that could be a good thing. But I think the problem is the scouts just don't have the opportunity to collect the same amount of data points on these guys as they do for the guys who were in Indianapolis. Yeah, and uh, is Ohio State plan on doing anything? I know that the Miami Hurricanes were talking about going moving forward with their pro day and then videotaping it, you know, timing everything and then sending them off, the sending the tapes off to scouts. Uh, is Ohio State talking about doing anything like that, or is it just they're just scratching it? I haven't heard anything about that. As of now, the pro day is postponed until further notice, so they haven't officially canceled it. Uh, I talked to Robert Landers the other day, and you know, he, he, he said, you know, there's, you know, he, he, he left it open-ended in terms of, you know, if there's still a pro day. So, you know, I don't think they've been told that there's no chance of a pro day, uh, but I don't think they're expecting one at this point either. I, you know, but right now at Ohio state, they've closed down all the facilities completely. So a Woody's not even open for those guys. So I, I just don't think it's going to be uh, logistically feasible for those guys to have a pro day, assuming that the NFL draft remains on schedule, which as of now, it appears that's the NFL's plan. Do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, what's you're just your opinion. I know the NFL is kind of, they're kind of trying to, I think they're trying to put their feet in the ground and say, you know, we're going to have this draft, but do you think with, with everything that's going on, all the postponement of, of these like regional combines, these pro days, do you think they'll push it back at all? Uh, as of now, no, because, you know, they're, they're running out of time to do that, and based on what Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, you know, people who are really connected have, have reported, it doesn't sound like that's their plan. So, uh, you know, I think the problem with that is you don't really know. There's so many unknowns at this point that even if you do push it back, there's no guarantee that that would, that would allow time for pro days and visits and all of that. And, you know, it is something that, for the most part, is conducted remotely anyways. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I think, too, you know, knowing how the NFL operates, they also view this as, a, hey, there's no other sports going on. We're going to have this weekend all to ourselves. We're going to get record ratings because people are just dying for sports. So uh, should they move it back in the interest of fairness to everybody? I think there's probably a good argument for that, but it, that doesn't seem to be the direction they're moving at this point. So you're saying that the NFL is a greedy, money-hungry corporation, Dan? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> if that's how you want to interpret what I said. <laughs> I, won't, uh, I won't dispute that. 
<laughs> so let let me ask you one more question about the upcoming season, okay? We're obviously we're in draft talk. So who who are two, who are a couple guys that you view as possible first round picks for the 2021 NFL draft? I got a couple people written on my list. Uh I want to see what you got though. Well, yeah, I think the obvious guy of course is Justin Fields, but I think if he has uh the same kind of season next year that he did last year, I think he's going to be right up there, you know, in that conversation with Trevor Lawrence to be one of the top two quarterbacks in the draft. So, you know, he's a guy that has a chance to be a very high draft pick. Uh, certainly Sean Wade as well is a guy who, you know, I think would have been an early round pick if he declared this year, coming back for another year, moving to that spot that Jeff Okuda played. I think he's got a chance to be a top 10, 15 overall pick if he has the kind of year he's capable of. And then, you know, a few other guys, I think on that interior offensive line, Wyatt Davis at right guard, Josh Myers at center. I think those guys could be two of the best offensive linemen in the country this year. So I think those are two guys who could be early round picks in 2021. And then Chris Olave at receiver coming off a huge year. I think if he can build on that and have another big year this upcoming season, I think he's got a chance to be in that first round mix as well. What do you th- what do you think about Tough Borland? I mean, he, he's a good size linebacker, six two, two twenty five. Uh, you know, we we've seen him have his highs and his lows. Uh, he's he's been injured, but when he's fully healthy, he's a seems like a very instinctive player, very much in the in the very much like your typical Big Ten linebacker, like Joe Schobert, like Josie Jewell, like T. Gray Scales before him. But that's someone that I really like. What, how do you see his draft prospects going? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem for Tuff is I don't think he's a guy that's going to test well because I I don't think he's got great speed. So I I think that's going to be the biggest issue for Tuff is just is he fast enough to play linebacker in the NFL? Because you see a lot of guys uh, who are productive linebackers at the college level, you know, especially those inside type backers, but just don't necessarily have the speed to translate to the NFL level. Uh, So I, I think there's some limitations there. I you know, I, I, I think he's got some good qualities. I mean, he's going to be uh, the second three-time captain in Ohio State history this year, so he's a great leader, uh, definitely an instinctive guy, but I, I do think those athletic limitations are going are gonna to hurt his NFL draft stock. That makes sense. Well, I, I know you've been on the phone with us for quite some time. We'll let you go. I know you got a late night. Uh, i got to ask you one more question, though, before we let you go. Gun to your head. Again, Ohio State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite to Oregon. Who do I empty my bank account on? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll go. I'm going to go for Ohio State there. I think. I think Ohio State. Uh, I think their offense is going to be a lot better than Oregon's offense, and I, I do think Oregon's defense is is going to be really good this year and can give them a game. But I, I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Ohio State's offense enough to to stay within a touchdown on that one. I would agree. I would agree. I agree too. I agree too. Hey Dan, before we let you go, man, I, I we first off, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, you're uh, you're a guy that's very well respected um, in the Ohio State media world. So yeah, again, we're really appreciative that, to have you come on and talk with you. We we tried to have you on a couple weeks ago, and, and you had to back out because you had and you ended up having one of the biggest stories of the off season at Ohio State. But Josh thought you were big leaguing us. You got anything to say about that? <laughs> that's no. true. I was like, no, I was I like, was, he failed. <laughs> no, I, I was, I was not, I was not big timing you guys. Uh, no, there was a no, there was a, uh, a, a really big uh, news story coming out that night that uh, revolving Amir Reap and Jocelyn Went, 
um, you know, in a situation of them off the field and I was knee deep in reporting that story. So, uh, unfortunately <laughs> I, I had to back out at the very last minute and I did, I did feel bad, but, uh, that was a story that needed my full and undivided attention. Uh, no problem, man. No problem. I feel yeah. you. Well, that was, that was Dan Hope from 11 Warriors. Dan, can you tell everybody they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan underscore Hope and all my work at 11warriors.com. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, yeah. guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Are you wasting two perfectly good Saturdays each year? Most people waste two Saturdays getting rid of junk that we could make magically disappear. We're 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We make junk disappear. All you have to do is point. Reclaim your Saturdays. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.com. And two smiling, happy people will magically appear at your front door. They'll be driving a clean, shiny truck. And they'll be wearing snappy, happy uniforms. All you have to do is point, 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 point. And that junk will be gone, 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 gone. Hooray! You have a Saturday. Let the party begin. We make junk disappear. Don't waste two perfectly good Saturdays each year. Let us work our magic for you. Give us a call. And we'll give you back your Saturdays. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.COM.